0: Welcome to The Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Sunday, January 26th, Australian Open, officially at the halfway mark, day seven in the books. Another fantastic day of tennis. So good that we decided we're live on video here. Joining me today, whenever we go on video, I have to bring in my better half. You know him as my doubles partner, partner in crime. More importantly, a man who has aced Yoshihito Nishioka. Maxwell, Bauer Rothman, Maxie, welcome back to the Mini Break Podcast. It's been far too long.
1: Far too long. And it's also probably far too long that we still mention the the Yoshi acing that probably needs to leave pretty soon, but I'll take it. You know, Can I if, give
0: you a you want, obvious counterpoint. If you keep bringing it back, do it. No, the obvious counterpoint is the better he gets, the more you should bring it up. That's true.
1: That's true. I, that almost makes me feel like we brought it up too much now. We should have saved <laughs> at least one of them, whether it, it, it was him or martyr. Like if, if we if one of them got really good, we should have saved it. So. We
0: should have told Westoff to have the clip ready because it, I feel like it has been long enough since that clips made a little the rounds on social media. Maybe we'll bring it back up on the IG page soon enough. I love that. We could put that in the books. And before we get into today's mini break podcast, we want to say thank you to our title sponsor here, the people who make this podcast sp- possible. Diadem. Now, if you've been listening to our podcast, you know, we've recently partnered with Diadem Tennis. We are such fans of their racket technology, of their strings. And we know the racket makes the tennis player. It doesn't make the tennis player, but it's like a Harry Potter thing. I keep saying the wand doesn't make the wizard, but the wand chooses the wizard. The racket chooses the player. You have to have have the right stick to bring out your best tennis, Rothman. You watched me once play a regional with John Vanderhoofel's racket, and it didn't go very well.
1: No, look, you, you've been using the same racket for years, and I'm telling you, if you're a switch, go to the Elevate, or maybe the Nova, two of their rackets. They're, they look fantastic. The nice aqua blue is just <laughs> beautiful, uh, and, and the strings go to match. And, and like you said, you need a racket to, to match the wizard. So uh, go, go ahead and get your diadem
0: racket and string today. The best part about doing this on video is I can see your eyes wandering, and you're just locked in on that aqua blue. You just I am. Blow-
1: yeah, it's, it's. I mean, look the blue the blue eyes here to the blue racket there. <laughs> I mean, let me tell you, I might have to get it just to bring out the blue in my eyes on court. It, it why might you have got- to happen.
0: I'm not going to name the other brand, but that's why you got the American flag racket that remains unbranded. So, yeah, you would do that sort of thing. And look, Carousel uses it. Seku Bengora uses it. Those guys were all Americans. If they're using it, you should use it as well. And we all know that stuff can get pricey. So if you use our promo code now, CR50, not just 30% off, 50% off. Each and every order each time you go back to Diadem. And look, your strings will last as long as you need them to. But you're going to use that first set and you're going to want to go back. So go to their website now. Again, our promo code CR50. Get that locked in. Get that taken care of. You're not going to have to worry about your racket technology for the rest of your life. That being said... People who are worried about their rackets and, in fact, probably have them getting restrung right now are players in Australia because we are now at the fourth round mark of the tournament. First half of the fourth round being played yesterday, second half being played later tonight. We want to get you listeners up to date and ready for all that action. So we're going to do what we always do here at the mini break for any of our new viewers uh, on the YouTube feed watching for the first time. We're going to recap uh, our biggest, our best matches of the day with a deep dive in our breakdowns, run through the rest of the results as well, preview the next day's matches, some fun betting action at the end, of course. And then we'll play a game of good take, bad take, hot take that I promise you all I want to stick around for because if Rothman's back, you know, the takes are going to come in as fiery as his beard. So be on uh, the lookout for that. But the match we're going to start for today's breakdown, I think, uh, as much, you know, uh, I think more of the action on the WT, there's a lot closer stuff there. We had a couple of straight set wins. Really, on the men's side, fairs, things went fairly straightforward. But I do want to start with a men's match because it was the upset of the day on paper. And of course, it involved an American tennis player. And that's something we are always fond of here at Crack Rackets. It's not just the game itself we're talking about now. It's the man, Tennis Sandgren. Uh, you can make all the name puns you want, but one thing you can't deny, this is a guy who seems to, each and every year, bring his best tennis at the start of the year in Australia. He starts out 2018 uh, by making the quarterfinals there. Last year, he wins his first ATP title in the beginning of the year in Adelaide. This year, another quarterfinal performance for him at a Grand Slam as he knocks off Fabio Fognini, the number 12 seed, seven. Seven six, seven five, six seven, six four. Rothman, your first thoughts after finding out about this result.
1: Well, I I mean, first of all, I pulled up this match while I was at a pregame last night. I literally <laughs> I, I saw the score. He's back. I saw I saw the score of the first set and I went over to the guy hosting. I was like, look, give me the remote just the, the tv's off uh, this isn't even fun i'm going straight to the australian open uh, so luckily i got to watch you know most of this match um you know with with a beer in hand which was a nice accompaniment but uh this was great tennis i mean watching sandgren move around the court i really thought he was going to be tired after his last match and he showed no fatigue i mean the dude was all over the place he moves around, especially on the backhand side, a little bit like Djokovic. It's that that sliding movement with the with the left leg out wide. I mean, he does a really good job as he gets pulled out wide on the backhand side, getting himself back into the court because of the way he is able to stop himself. And um, Overall, I mean, Sangren just came out big on the big points. I mean, the guy has been clutch when he needs to. And the thing that just blows my mind about him I mean, he he seems like the biggest head case. Like, you you watch him talk to himself. He talks to his coaches. But he seems really mentally tough at the same time. I mean, it might just be his way of, you know, releasing that. He he releases the bad energy, and then he's right back into the point. Um, So just really solid from him. And Fonini, I I mean—
0: Can we stick with Sandgren for a second? Because I do want to get to the Fodenini element. But you you hit a couple of things there. I mean, look, it's great to have you back. I tell you, hey, great shot. I missed you, buddy. Um, But (laughs) you get to uh, your first point about his movement. Undeniably, this is a guy who at, I think, Tennis Sandgren is now, what, 27 years old, 28 years old, turns 29 this July. He should be in his physical prime. And if you're going to rock— And if you're going to rock sleeveless shirts, Rothman, you better be ripped. And he is. That's something Jamie and I talked about last week. I'm glad we get the head nod from you that you agree uh, he has earned the right to wear that sort of sleeveless shirt. Uh, But this is a guy who, you're right, and Matt Willis, our friend at Matt Rackett, had a tweet out of a Djokovic sliding, I think forehand. And it kind of said this encapsulates Djokovic because not only is he sliding into a shot, but you can tell he's getting ready to recover as well. And I think Sandgren does a really good job of that as well. Just a fantastic Mover And the way he moves around the court, it's not just in reaction, it's to open up the outer thirds of the courts to himself. The thing he did in this match that got under Fabio Fognini's skin the most was make it as physical as possible. And for Sandgren, you know, 44 winners against 47 uh, unforced errors, he played within the margins. And the fact that you talked about Sandgren, who did play, uh, you know, the uh, five set second round match against Matteo Berrettini, but then had straight sets his last last round against Sam Querrey. Uh, there was no doubt he knew he had the physical edge on Fabio Fognini who played two, you know, fifth set 10 uh, point breakers in his first two matches, got the straight set win against Guido Pella, but still Sandgren came in with a game plan and Fabio Fognini, and this is how we can transition to him, has as much firepower as anyone on tour. If you give him enough chances from the baseline, uh, you know if he wants to be patient on any given day, he can crack winners. That's why he won a Masters event last year. That being said, Sandgren's ability to mix in the variety of paces on the backhand, play the slice, not be afraid to hit through that ball as well, not be afraid to take that backhand down the line just to change directions on Fognini. I thought Sandgren never hit in the same direction more than three times in a row. And I think in the end, it, it and not that it got under Fonini's skin, but it wore him down. And in a best-of-five set format, when you're as physically fit as Tennis Sandgren, that's the game plan you need to have.
1: Yeah, and look, I don't want to get too far into the next match yet. Uh, but that is, I think, what he's going to need to do against Federer, is to stay in those rallies, be patient, go for the shots at the right time. I think against Fonini. That was going to get exhausting, which I'm sure it did. I mean, that that was a tough four-set match. Uh, and granted, the, the guy's in great shape and he's able to stay in the rallies long enough to find the right time. is going to be a, a little bit of a quicker match. He's going to have to find a way to elongate these points and, and make it more of a match on his terms. But as far as this match goes, I mean, one of the things that Fonini definitely struggled with was the first serve. Only 51% of first serves made. You're, that's, that's the legs. That's, that is the legs. I mean, although... The thing about Fonini, too, the guy barely uses his legs. I mean, that's a crazy thing to say. But if you look at him, he, he's kind of like a Plishkova in the sense that, like, it looks like they barely use their knees. They They kind of just use their arms and it looks like they're not trying. I mean, the two of them are, are mind-blowing to me as far as their movement goes.
0: So my counterpoint is having read on what Flavia Panetta, uh, Phobia Fodenini's spouse, and him do before the match, their pregame routines, I would argue that could also be why his legs are dead.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. No, they uh, they have fun. It's... it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: Definitely working for him in, in a lot of ways. No, but you're, you're right. And Sandgren's so good at when he brings the point back to neutral. Again, that's where he wants to be. He wants to be on cruise control. Make it as physical as possible. And there were no five-set matches today. Uh, and, you know, that sort of maybe hurts the sex appeal from the men's side of today's matchups and you know the score lines but you look at uh this one in terms of total points for Sangren 140 for Fognini 133 yeah this match was fought on the margins and so for Fabio Fognini he won more first uh serve he won a higher percentage of his first serve points than Sangren but he did it on over uh, I think it's 28 less opportunities just if you give your opponent 28 more se- uh, first serve points that's going to be the difference if you're just not making your first serve on this day and when the margins are these thin between players that's how I think tennis handgren got the job done
1: agreed and and like going back to my last point and, and then feel free to to take us away from here Five out of five on break points. The dude was clutch. Like I said, on the big points, he really came in when he needed to. Fonini, three of eight. He had a a couple opportunities that he probably should have come through on, and uh, he just didn't. And and I want to just, again, give credit to Sandgren on the mental toughness. He threw away that tiebreaker in the third set, and I was pretty worried. I was ready to watch this thing go into a fifth set, and he threw fought in that fourth set tiebreaker. So uh, kudos to him. It's going to be a really fun match with Federer in the next round.
0: The counter is he stole that first set. He was down way more. I think he gave up. uh, I'll look up the numbers. But I know Fonini had way more break points in that first set than Sandgren. He found a way to survive. And you're right. In these best of five formats, survival is half the battle. So really impressive performance from Tennis Sandgren. He's, as you mentioned, going to need that and more in his next matchup in the quarterfinals where he's going to take on Roger Federer. Uh, We will talk about his opponent, Roger Federer's result in a little bit, but I want to switch gears here with our next match. Maybe the most fun result for American tennis fans on the day. And again, in in a round where an American male reaches uh, the fourth round, uh, it's hard to top that. But we certainly had that and more from our women's fourth round matchup uh, between number 14 seed Sophia Kennan and unseeded Coco Gauff. Now uh, for Sophia Kennan, the 21-year-old American, it's shocking to say, but she was obviously... The one with far more experience coming into this match on the WTA tour than her opponent. You look for Sophia Ken right now in the live rankings where she's at Uh, with her win. She's up to a career high number 12. And that's a testament to the fact that I believe she won three titles last year, made a bunch of deep runs, winning matches, I think, at each and every slam. I think she made a fourth round in there as well. But uh, in this match still. Coco Goff, as we've seen from her all week long, there's no setting by which she's intimidated. The 15-year-old comes back from 4-2 down in the first set to steal it 7-6 and then what impressed me so much from Sophia Kennan is she stayed the course there was no panic from her no pressing no anything and she showed off her wide variety of talents Kennan taking a 6-7 6-3 6-love win Uh, you know Max what did you learn from this match not only about you know Coco Gauff and why we should continue to be so excited about her but but from Sophia Kennan another reason why she's probably the young American (laughs) to beat right now
1: absolutely it's funny the the big note that i have in my note section right now for Kennan was how calm she was i mean you're you're watching her in these just point by point you're watching her get moved around by coco coco did a very good job throughout the match moving Kennan around the court and she stayed calm in the points never felt like she had to overhit, you know, really take control. She waited for her shots as well. Similar to what I was saying with Sandgren, she was very patient in this match. She kept her balls very deep throughout the entire match. I think that was something I noticed a lot was, you know, very few times that I feel like I saw her hitting balls that were landing before the service line, giving Coco that chance to be aggressive. Uh, and she utilized the slice well. I think the the slice threw off Coco a few times here and there. She even brought in the forehand slice at times, which uh, you know, she got a break point off of in, in the first set. And so uh, I think it's it's just the the mixture from Sophia Kennan that was really tough for Coco. The thing that if I can really quickly just talk about Coco as well, she for the first time I think this tournament I saw get flustered, isn't the right word, but uh, I think she felt pressured to overhit especially in that second and third set. Maybe it was a fatigue thing. Maybe it was she was you know, just seeing how consistent Sophia Kennan was being. Uh, but I felt like I was I was watching her really go for forehands that she maybe shouldn't be going for and, and trying to overhit some shots that uh, I hadn't seen from her in the previous round. So not sure what that was a result of, uh, but it was something that I hadn't seen from Coco in the last couple rounds.
0: That's a really good point. I think for the first time, Coco Gauff felt the need to press, and it's because she wasn't breaking down Sophia Kennan with anything she was doing. Now, Sophia Kennan, as I mentioned, a player with every tool in the book, and earlier this year, she lost a match to Danielle Collins, where Danielle Collins just blew her off the court. Now, if you've seen Danielle Collins play, you know she has that sort of firepower where she can do that to you. She can just hit you. And I do think Sophia Kennan, a good mover, and she can do a lot of different things while on the run, but she can't can be hit off a court. And I know that sounds so simple, but why she's gotten to number 12 in the world is because it's so difficult to hit Sophia Kennan off the court. I mentioned those stats last year it was fourth round French open, a uh, third round U S open a uh, semi in Canada and Cincinnati 49 and 23 on the year for Kennon Yeah, she just, you're, you're right. I think for the first time, Coco golf found an opponent, she could not hit through or hit around or just outlast. That's Kennan's game. You think you're stubborn. You don't want to make an error. Sophia Kennan in this match, 28 winners against 22 un... Forced airs for Goff against 48 unforced airs. If that's not indicative of the pressing Goff did, I don't know what is for the other time. I think Coco Goff 56% on the first serve. She, I mean, her first serve is special. She's going to win a lot of three points on it over her career. Uh, But then a lot of her second serve just wasn't as effective as it was in the previous rounds. Kennan, despite blowing that 4-2 lead in the first, she kept attacking with that ball. And Goff was fine playing, you know, Goff likes to mix up her paces, her spins as well hit that high loopy forehand uh, just to sort of even things out. And that's a ball Kennan loves more than anything because now she gets to use one of her seven different tricks on that sort of approach shot. And it's just, it's why Sophia Kennan, just across the board, she was so solid today, Max. You look at the stats, 73% of the first serves in, win 72% of those points, 54% on the second serve, uh, five of 12 on break points. Just a well-rounded, really, really solid performance. Agreed. I mean, uh,
1: there's, there, I don't even know if there's a whole lot much more to say. It was just from Kennan, she played the match that she needed to play. And and I think that, that uh, you made a great point with that high loopy ball, right? I mean, Kennan took a lot of those on the rise, high into her backhand, took them deep into the court. I mean, she, she was doing what she needed to do. I know. Yeah, it's right there. That That's your shot, too. You like that one. <laughs> um but yeah, it it really was just an overall good performance. I I think Coco could have played a little bit better. And again, I think it it comes down to where she was mentally. I I you know, obviously she's animated on court, she is an emotional tennis player, but she was talking to her box a lot, getting a little more upset than uh I've seen in in certain matches and uh, there there was something a little off with her. So, don't count her out. I've got some good uh Good. I have some good takes
0: on her for uh, our, our section at the end, so definitely stay tuned for that. I look forward to them. Here's the one last thing on Coco, and then we can move on from this match. She goes, uh, I believe, overall in the match at the net, which was a, a thing she had to do because that's the way you take time away from Sophia Kennan. If you're not going to have a big four, you know, a Patrick fit of a forehand, you got to take balls early, throw off your opponent's <laughs> rhythm. She goes 16 of 25 at the net overall, seven of 12 in that first set. You know, nine of. 13 the rest of the way, but nine of 13 over two sets in a match against Sophia Kennan, since she's not going to be able to hit winners. I will. That's just not enough. And so I think she got a little bit tentative at the end. And again, she's 15 years old. The fact that she's in the fourth round, it's Crazy. a win, but it, it also bodes well. It's like, okay, I, I do have something to work on. I got a little bit too passive down the home stretch. And that's why the player who may not have the weapons I do was able to grind out the victory. And it's a credit to both of them. So Coco golf, to take a set in the fourth round of a major at age 15. That's not what I was doing. Um, But for Sophia Kennan to to weather the storm, to stay the course, such an impressive win for her. And she's going to be a really fun player to watch in these. Makes her first first quarterfinal. I mean, Good for her. And you can see the emotion on her face after the match. Deservedly so. A fantastic win for Sophia Cannon. All right. Going on to our next match, a person who has made the quarterfinals before, but has never won her hometown slam. After she, I believe the best she did is, in fact, the quarterfinals of last year's Australian Open. Our number one seed here this year on the women's side, Ashley Barty, who got all she could handle in the number 18 seed, Allison Risk. Uh, this was a rematch of the Wimbledon fourth round where Risk ended up knocking off Barty last year in this one Ashley Barty showing her guile her ability to make adjustments her ability as well to weather the storm to weather the aggressive play of Allison Risk Barty grinds out a 6-3 1-6-6-4 win Talk about a style of con- a contrast of styles in this one, Max. It was so fun to watch a player like Allison Risk put Ashley Barty under so much stress. Uh, even though Risk only came to the net five times overall in the match, it did feel like Barty was doing a lot of scrambling side to side. And Barty's creativity might be the most enjoyable part of her game.
1: Yeah, I mean, Barty went behind or sc- excuse me, uh, Risk went behind Barty a lot, and Barty was moving. I mean, the the thing, I will always say this, I think, with Barty is that she needs to slice a little bit less. And, and I know people will disagree with me on that, but... I watched a couple times in this match where she slice 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 and then takes that back in down the line and it just threw risk off. I mean it, it's the kind of thing where it needs to be thrown in a little bit more. Her two-hander, it's not like she's Stevie Johnson out there. She <laughs> has a really good two-handed backhand. She doesn't need to be slicing so, as much as she
0: does. Can I press you on this? I think that's a fascinating point and I you know I'm I tend to agree with you in terms of player slicing unless you've got the Federer slice backhand, you better be you know, darn sure that you're going to hit, I almost swore there, uh, you better be sure, uh, we're live on video though, so I'm not going to do that, uh, but you better be sure that it, it's a good slice, and I think Ashley Barty's slice is effective, it's part of what makes her such a special talent, and so I am I wanted to ask you, do you think it's sort of a lull effect, right, it's like the sugar, you know, sugar, and just uh, shows you how much, Sugar Ray Leonard, how much I know about boxing, how he's kind of dangling in front of you, and then pop. You know, hits you with the quick jab. That's the whole time uh, Ashley Barty. It's slice, 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 boom, down the line while you fell asleep. And I think that's a really effective play of hers. But at the same time, I agree with you. I mean, Allison Risk in this match, 20 winners against 34 unforced errors. But she wanted Barty to hit the slice so that she could find her forehand, run around that ball, get aggressive with it. And yeah, I, I tend to think that I don't know why Ashley Barty doesn't swing through the backhand more because it's a really effective shot.
1: It is, and you know the the thing that she also could do that I, I feel like she's going to need to do in her next round against Kvitova is use that slice, and when she gets a ball that that floats a little bit more, run around and hit that forehand and be aggressive. I just think that there uh, were times throughout this match, especially in that second set, and I think this is the whole reason that second set got lost was she got a little bit too complacent. She was just putting the ball back in the court. She wasn't being aggressive when she needed to be, uh, and that's where she was winning her points. I mean. We saw in that first and in that third set, she utilized that forehand in the downline backhand when she needed to. And, and if you watched in that second set, it was all risk. Her, that was entirely her set. She controlled almost every single point. Uh, and, and that's where I, I saw the slice just kind of sit there and not be used in, in the way that it needed to. So I think that's something that, especially, again, in this next match against Kvitova, is a big hitter. If she doesn't do something to, to mix it up and be aggressive, she's going to get pushed around.
0: The other thing will be, though, using that slice to, again, get Kvitova, not let her set, not let her have a rhythm on her forehand or backhand, keep that low ball. So she's got to bend down, get down for that forehand. But for Ashley Barty, I mean, she won. uh, It it tells you the tale of two stories. When she's able to hit a big first serve, hit a big first forehand, you know she makes 65% of her first serves, 37 of 46 on those points uh, that got the job done for her today. But she was seven of twenty-five on second serve. That's yeah, to say. when Allie Risk found 28%. that. Yeah, when Ali Risk found the Barty backhand, was able to run around, establish herself, hit the slice. I mean, or hit the slice. Excuse me, hit the inside-out forehand and just keep pounding that corner. Those were the patterns that Risk found the best. And look for Petra Kvitova; she's a lefty. So not only does she probably have a little more juice on her forehand than Ali Risk, but you have that forehand going into the Barty backhand, it's going to be so important for Barty to hit through that backhand to be able to find that backhand down the line. I agree with you. And that's why that's going to be, and it deservedly so, a quarterfinal matches because those are two of the best in the women's game right now, and that's going to be really fun to watch. All right, with those breakdowns in mind, let's kind of look at the rest of the action because there were other good matches that I do want to talk about a little bit. Uh, let's start again on the women's side we mentioned two let's knock out the others both uh, good matches involving uh, a seed being knocked out in the case of Petra Kvitova she knocked out the number 22 seed Maria Sakari 676362 I think this was the case of Maria Sakari played a, a really physical first set I mean she did such a good job of making that extra ball of really extending Petra Kvitova out of the middle of the court not letting her get settled into her strike zone but simply put, Petra Kvitova overpowering Sakari in the end. And that's where she's so impressive. And it's why, you know, even if Ashley Barty's bringing all of her variety, there's just Petra Kvitova can hit you off the court.
1: Absolutely. I mean, 33 winners to 46 unforced errors, 10 return winners. Uh, I mean, when when you're getting your return or your serve taken like that, that's uh, that's never a good feeling. And uh, quick shout out again, Australian Open, best website for stats. I mean, I, I haven't been on, I'm sure you've, You've shouted them out in in previous pods, but I mean the Infosys stats on here are just awesome. We we
0: need this year round, please. Just, I this was the point I made as well, and I have said it multiple times. You're right because you know these are the sort of things we love, and it's we like why? it feels like in 2020 we can't do this everywhere. Like and why? Come, come why on, is guys, it's not possible. We're, yeah, let let let's work on this because I agree. Shout out to them; it makes these podcasts. Not only better, but uh, just more informative for everyone. Now, our last women's match was Ones-Jabour. One of the, uh, you know, Tunisian storyline. Uh, one of the storylines is that this Tunisian player has come seemingly out of nowhere to some to have this sort of breakthrough result, her first uh, major quarterfinal. And with it, she gets to a new career high of number 46 in the WTA Live rankings. That gets you into all of the premier mandatories, essentially all of the good stuff. So... Potential breakout year for the 25-year-old in knocking out Chiang Wang 7-6-6-1. Uh, I don't even think this was a Chiang Wang having a hangover post Serena. I just think Owen Shabor enough firepower, enough ability to move Wang out of her comfort zone. She wasn't able to tee off as often as she did against Serena.
1: Yeah, but I mean, Wang during that match found a way to do it. I mean, she was just super aggressive. If you're, if you're telling me that she can't be aggressive in this match against Owens when she could against Serena. You're crazy. I think there was just uh, a bit of a, a hangover. And, and I think I disagree with you there that you go from a match where you play lights out like that and then go to this match and having to do it again against Owens is, is hard. Uh, but, but credit to her. I mean, she made a third round last year at the U S open uh, before that had made it past the third round, uh, when she was in the third round French open in 2017. So to make a quarterfinal here is really, really cool.
0: Yeah, great result for her. And again, it's going to be fun to watch her in her next match taking uh, on, I believe, what she'll play now, not Kvitova, not Barty, but she will be playing Sophia Kennan. So those two people looking for their first major semifinal. It's always fun when we can start the year with a new major semifinalist uh, at the year's first Grand Slam. So that's what we'll be watching for on the women's side. That's the action we saw on day seven. On the men's side, we mentioned the Sandgren knocking off Fonini. Uh, Fognini the only seed eliminated today unexpectedly the number 14 seed diego schwartzman also a loser uh but in his case steamrolled by the train that is novak Djokovic 6-3 6 6-4, 6-4. a lot of people have looked good in this major i, I mean Djokovic though I, there's there's the reason this guy's the defending <laughs> champ
1: he looks ridiculous i mean yeah like they're, watching him play is just flawless and uh I mean, Ranich definitely has his work cut out for him uh, tomorrow against Djokovic, and we'll see what he can do. He's he's going to have a, a hell of a match in front of him.
0: Yeah, I feel like for Novak Djokovic that we haven't talked about him much is a good thing. It's just like, yeah, we haven't seen anything new. This guy's he's doing, he's doing what yeah, he does. So yeah, another guy who obviously many people have penciled in as a favorite except for me uh, because the Federer quarter of the draw is where I got destroyed on Turnitopia. But Roger Federer taking advantage of his draw. He knocks off Marton Fuchovic, 4-6, 6-1, 6-2, 6-2. For Roger Federer to bounce back from the physical five-set match against John Millen and McEnroe asked him about it in the post-match comments that have been circulate uh, circulating on tennis Twitter. Uh, that's the most impressive part, to drop that first set, come out, take... Care of the next three sets cleanly. Uh, Good win for Roger Federer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of post-match interviews, if you you watch the the post-match interview after this, and they start talking about tennis Sandgren, they start talking about how tennis's name is tennis, and it's like that that coming. It's like that joke has never been thrown around before, but people loved it. It was crazy. I mean, tennis. Yeah, that's just that's just the sign of the uh, the humor of the tennis crowd. It was a uh, a little cringeworthy of an interview, if if I don't say so. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was it was interesting.
0: McEnroe like cut it off after thirty seconds. It was pretty funny. You no, know, people were just thinking to themselves, "Oh, I've never heard of this guy. Perfect, we're gonna see Roger in the semifinals." Right. I mean, <laughs> like that's just what they're laughing. And I'm not saying that's gonna happen. I'm saying I feel it's like. Gonna- I mean, haven't we worked? I, what, all right, I have a changeover. All right, we'll get to that question. I have the
1: time. betting line. I have a betting thing for this, but we—I can wait till we till we get there.
0: Um, yeah, I no, I I have a tennis Sangren related joke, I suppose. Um, uh, but we can save that for good take, bad take, hot take at the end. Yeah, great win for Roger Federer, and uh, for him now he's knocked out Fucevic twice uh, at. This Australian Open fourth round, but you look for Federer thus far, who he's played in the draw. Players ranked number 75, 41, 47, 67, and 100. I think this is how he wanted it drawn up, the first major. If he could have, you know, if there's any conspiracy theory, that's probably the range of where it starts. Had to bring that in here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I gotta gotta have a little fun with that. Um, Yeah, moving on, you look at the other men's results, only one more to get through. You mentioned it a little bit Milos Raonic, the number 32 seed. He knocks off Marin Cilic, 6'4", 6'3", 7'5". More of the same from Rayon. He fights off two set points, I believe, in that third set with just two rockets of serves, one down the t on the due side, one out wide on the ad. The big serve, the big forehand right now. that there's you know He was a quarterfinalist here last year, and you can see why. I, on a hard court, I can't imagine what it's like to have to face that combo.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And, and look, he, he just took out CeCe Paz, and granted Cilic did play back-to-back five-setters before this match, so I uh, might have to attribute a little bit of this to fatigue. But I know we're talking about how good Djokovic is. I-, I think he's got a little bit of a reason to be nervous against Ranich. Ranich is hitting a big ball. He hasn't been this solid in a while. And I I definitely think there might be a set where Ranich comes out bombing serves, bombing forehands. He could take a set off Djokovic in this match. Um, I would not be surprised if that happened.
0: Yeah, I mean, for Milos Raonic, you know, for him, it's just get to the tiebreak. You know, I'm taking care of my serve and push Novak to do the same. And thus far, he has executed that game plan so well. Uh, Yeah, for Milos Raonic, you know, my question I have for you right here in bold in my notes, two-part question for you. A, who would you rather play like, Milos Raonic or John Isner? And B, who do you enjoy watching more, Milos Raonic or John Isner? Oh, don't make me say Ranich twice. I mean,
1: <laughs> look, having Isner
0: serve would be
1: the most fun thing in the world. I and mean, you
0: already think you do.
1: Right. So I mean, it would be awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ranich just has a an overall holistically better game. Um and and just real quick, the, the last thing I wanna say about why Djokovic might be nervous with Ranich. Wait, I mean, wait,
0: can I, can I finish the question though? Because I Yeah, I have sorry. So okay. I would say play like John Isner. I would say maybe watch although I was in person for a Ranich match and I think he was playing Fed, so that might have factored into it, but it was dreadful.
1: I watched I watched Ranich at Indian Wells last year. Um, and that was, it's just quick. It's so quick. Not that Isner isn't quick. His match is So here's
0: my counterpoint is Ranich, you know, they both have big serves that their games are predicated on, obviously, but Ranich, huge forehand. He only, I mean, he hits through the backhand sometimes, but it's a lot of slice. He, I love his volleys. I do think he's a better volleyer than Isner. The reason I would rather play like Isner, he's a low key grinder. If he's he, not hitting a winner on that first ever. serve and serving in Valley, he's 12 feet behind the baseline grinding. And I kind of like that. That That's you in a nutshell.
1: <laughs> just <laughs> if you had a way bigger serve.
0: Yeah, exactly. So we have the same frames. Um, but yeah, <laughs> he gets a slightly more torque, I suppose, from his. Uh, but yeah, those Ro- are the. Oh, sorry. No, but to no, Djokovic, just, I was going to say, yes. Two the last jokes. thing, if you look at
1: Djokovic's route here, he loses just one set in his first round of Stroof and, that, that set was a, just a big set from Struff. Lots of big serves, lots of big forehands, the kind of set that Ranich needs to play. And then since then has played Ito, Nishioka, and Schwartzman, all little guys, grinders. I think he's going to have to make a big adjustment. He's going to have to go and look back at what he did in that first round against Struff And think about how we can bring that into this match against Ranich. It's going to be a big change in the last three matches he's played. So again, don't be surprised if Ranich gets a set
0: in this match. Yeah, and uh, we will talk about those quarterfinal matches even more in depth on these mini break podcasts, which we have brought to you each and every day. Hopefully you listeners, viewers have been following along. But if you've missed any of the action, you can go check out our summaries uh, on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is you listen to your podcast. And of course, while you're there, go listen to the Great Shot podcast, Cracked Interviews podcast. Leave a little like rate, subscribe review, right? I mean, why wouldn't you at this point? You're already there. Subscribe. Yeah, hit it perfectly, Rothman. See, even though you're gone, you you know you still know the deal. Um, All right. With that in mind, day seven in the books, we can preview our day eight action, and again, it's our second half of the fourth round, so while there's plenty of doubles throughout the day, uh, we do have four men's singles matches, four women's singles matches to talk about. As always, let's go ladies first here and start on the women's side, Uh, and just keep in mind, for all these breakdowns, I have a parlay coming for you, Rothman, at the end of this that I know you'll enjoy. Mr. Parlay. Let's start with the matches that I'm 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 going from most to least certain about the result and you tell me if I'm crazy or not. For the women's side, let's start with uh, the number four seed, Simona Halep, who has looked exceptional uh, thus far in her Australian Open run. You look at what she's done. I believe she has not dropped a set in any of her three wins so far. She's going to take on the number 16 seed, Elise Mertens, who just knocked off CC Bellis in three sets in her last match. Uh, you look for Simona Halep and Mertens in their career had had Halep leads 2-1. Though Mertens won their only matchup ever on a hard court in the Qatar final 2019, that was a three-set match. Their other two results: straight-set wins for Simona, not particularly close, including the fourth round of the 2018 French Open. Any bet I'm doing tonight, I'm throwing Simona Halep with just the money line on her in there. And right now, Halep, you look at where she's at money line. I believe she is minus 170. I'll take that.
1: Yeah, I mean to have this though is the most certain. I think is wrong. I think you have to go with Contivate as the most certain of these. Now, granted, you know, the last match against Benched. Then you're not
0: gonna, one, you're not gonna like my parlay then if that's what you think.
1: Yeah, I know I'm not. I don't like your parlays almost ever. Even yeah, that one. And that's that why hit, they hit. No, they don't hit. You got lucky once.
0: Eight. Every and one. other.
1: Every other parlay you've done has not hit. So,
0: um. There's a uh, Yelena Ostapenko parlay from last year with Zverev and Medvedev winning their semifinals in Beijing that did hit, Uh, but that's a story for another time. I'll
1: take a three-person parlay like that, not a 17-person parlay like you (laughs) Yeah, but 17
0: people, you get seven. Whatever, whatever, back on track. So (laughs) Halep with this Halep Merchants match.
1: uh, I agree. This is a match that Halep should win. Um, Mertens, you know, looks good. Also, those flags, the Belgian Romanian flags, are almost in like in the indistinguishable. God, they're the same freaking flag. Um, I, I thought that Mertens was, was uh, Romanian for a second, but that that wouldn't be that would that'd be weird. Um, sorry for that tangent. Don't give me that look. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I think Hallep's got this one in the bag, but it's definitely not a certain, I mean. If you watch Merton's match against CC, CeCe, granted CC is a much different player than Hallep, She what? really, what you think they're both just grinders? And that no, they,
0: I would say, and this is not to be disrespectful to CC Bellis Simona Hallep just at this point of their career, a better version of CC does everything that CC does just a little bit better, an even better mover. She's an, a, even better on the run.
1: Uh, it's I'm just saying. so much better though. It, it's different. It's a different yeah. type of movement. I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, but that's why I think, you know, Mertons isn't going to have necessarily, it's not, I don't think it's necessarily going to be a blowout Halep win. She just kind of, like you said, played a, a, for lack of a better term, a, a worse Simona and she's just going to have to step it up. And yeah.
0: I think she can. So, for Elise Mertens, she's played a ton of tennis thus far this year. She played the first two weeks of the season, but the, she lost that 6-7 set to Bellis. Her other six sets she's won: 6-1, 6-0, 6-2, 6-0, 6-0, and 6-3. She has played very well to start this season. Her opening loss in Shenzhen, three sets to the eventual winner, I believe, in. Uh, Rybakina. Uh, three set loss to Heather Watson in Hobart. She ended up beating Heather Watson 3-0 in the second round here. She's playing really well, but so is Simona Halep. So I like Halep to move on there. Moving to our next match, number nine seed Kiki Bertens taking on Garbine Muguruza. Bertens leads overall 3-2 in the series. Uh, they played once last year. Hey, great shot, as they like to say. Uh, Muguruza, a 5-7-6-1-6-4 winner in the Indian Wells round of 16. She also. Won one, three and six when they played in the Cindy round of Sydney round of 16 in 2018 Burton's those three wins coming all the way back in 2010 2011 and 2012 given the form we've seen from Muguruza t- thus far I don't know how she's not the favorite I mean Kiki Bertens is a phenomenal player Cincinnati champion but Kiki Burton's to me when I think of her I think of clay courts bringing out her best tennis I just think the way Garbine Muguruza is swinging right now it's too good
1: Agreed. I mean, she goes back to back three setters, and then takes out Spitalina, and just a, I mean, just a beat down. Um, but I also think that Muguruza is a is a great clay quarter. So you're looking at two players that I think that this isn't their best surface. But yeah, I mean, the form that Muguruza's in is is pretty impressive. Uh, the line here, I don't know if you've seen it yet. Uh, you want to take a guess at, at the line for for Muguruza Burton's? I think Muguruza is going to be favored. I think
0: I, I think I did see it. I think it's like minus, what, like 125 or something? Minus 155
1: for Muguruza uh-huh. and plus 120 for Kiki. So, it, and it's crazy to see the, the seeds as the underdogs. It's not the, not the first match in, in these next couple matches that that's the case. But I think they've got it right on this one. Muguruza looks really solid.
0: You want to hear something crazy? Alex Vierve, in the time we've been talking, his odds went from plus 100 to minus 105.
1: Oh, wow. So that's funny. You're right, because when I was watching, and I was looking at it earlier, it was even, and Rublev was
0: minus 125. That's interesting. And we'll talk about why that's interesting when we get to the men. But yeah, I I would take Muguruza. I think that's right. Uh, It'll be a good match, certainly. Uh, Our next, again, two more on the women's side. Uh, We start with the number 17 seed, Angelique Kerber here, taking on last year's semifinalist, Anastasia Pevelchenkova. Kerber leads their career head, to had seven to six. So these are two players who know each other's games well. That being said, they haven't played since 2018, where Kerber won both of the matches on hard courts. Pavlchenkova won all three matches they faced off, and in 2017, they've only played once at a major. Kerber won in Wimbledon. Maxi, who you got here?
1: I mean, I think you got to take Kerber. I, well, no, I'm I'm, I'm wrong. I, I second guess myself. Pavlchenkova in that match against Pliskova. Was so solid, and and the way that Pliskova is playing to take her out. Again, my my thing is the the hangover. Right? Can she go from a Pliskova seven six seven six straight win to taking down Kerber, who is just going to move her around the court? Not totally sure, but I, I might have to go to Pavlchenkova and. The odds are in favor of Pavchenkova. Minus 120 for her and minus 105 for Kerber.
0: So Yeah, Kerber a little bit banged up early in the season. Uh, she just played a three-set match herself for Pavlichenkova. It was two tiebreaker sets, but a lot of big hitting. Not the longest points physically in that match against Pliskova. Yeah, this is a stay away gambling-wise. Don't put this in anything because okay. no matter which way you— Unless maybe the over is what you're taking. I just you don't take- see a world where this is like a blowout, but maybe there's a world where one of them pulls out with injury or something like that. Of course, you never want to see that, but stay away from me in all senses of the word. Yeah, I, I think this is a battle. This this is for sure going to be in the three set category when we do tomorrow's recap. Yep. Um, all right, our last women's match. This is you called it a sure thing. I think it's anything but. Annette Conteve, the number 28 seed, taking on young 19-year-old Iga Swatik. Uh, Conteve won their one and only career head-to-head matchup, 6-4, 7-6, in Cincy last year. For Contave, it's her fourth, fourth round, but her first since 2018. For Svatic, second, fourth round, in five career main draw slam appearances. She made the fourth round at the French last year, where she lost 1-0 to Simona Halep. So those were the two pieces of context I threw in intentionally Rothman. A, Svatik last performance in the round of 16, obviously something she'll remember. Something that, you know, it's not... She doesn't want it to go to say, whatever happened then, flip the switch since. B, for Annette Conteve, who played about as well as you can play against Belinda Bencic in that last round, I mean, that is just... To follow that up is incredibly difficult to do. And she's had just a really good tournament overall, you know, for Annette Conte. She's exactly where she wants to be for Iga Swiatek, I actually think it's been a little steadier. You know, she knocked out Vekic 5-3. That was a really good performance. Uh, but the round before that, it's not like these these results are coming out of nowhere. For Swiatek, she knocked out Carlos Suarez Navarro 3-5 in the second round in her first match. Again, she stayed steady. She knocks off uh, Babos 3-2. She hasn't been pushed to three sets yet, Rothman, and that's why I feel re- really good about how steady she has been versus Annette Conteve, who pushed to three sets in the second round. Uh, you look for her and her third round match, you know, she blows out Bencic following that. I just don't think she's going to play quite as well as she did against Bencic, and I, I've, I've liked everything I've seen from Iga Swiatek thus far. Uh,
1: that's fair, and, and look, if if there's anything that is going to change this match, it's it's going to be Contivate. It's just going to be the way that she plays. Because if she plays like she did against Bencic, it's going to be a straight set, a three and four match. There's no question. That level of tennis was incredible. Uh, so I think that's the reason why I said that is just the the way that she played in that last round. If she doesn't play even, you know... of that, it's still going to be a great match. So uh, I'm going to take Contivate all the way. I I know Spitek has been playing some really steady tennis, but it can't just be steady tennis. It needs to be really good tennis to take, take down Contivate in this match.
0: I'm fine. I'll go on the other side of that one with you. I'll take Contevé, uh, and it's going to be a really fun slate of women's matches, no matter what. But what's crazy is, as great as those matches are, this is be- this is by far the most interesting day of men's action we've had thus far. And That's no disrespect to the 88 match second day, and the first week has its place in terms of bulk. But if you like, you know, just precision, if you like pristine, just. Head-to-head battles. If you like rivalries, if you like tension, if you like all of these different things, you're getting that in these men's matches. What's crazy is, I think Gaël Monfils, the number ten seed, versus number five seed Dominic team is probably the least interesting match of the day. (laughs) And like to say that is crazy because you look at the slate, and we can start there. But you know, Nadal, Kyrgios, Medvedev, Wawrinka, Zverev, Rublev. All of these storylines are going to be so much fun. I guess let's start with Monfils and team. You look for Dominic Team's He's played a couple of long matches over this last two. Five sets with Bolt, four sets with uh, Fritz. For Monfils, he's kind of gone the opposite way. He beats Gulbis in straight sets, uh, beats Karlovich, I think, in straight sets, if not in four sets. Uh, so you would think Monfils may be the fresher player, and yet... For Dominic Team, who enters this match 5-0 and career head-to-head against Monfils, he knocked him off last year in the Roland Garros round of 16-6-4, 6-4, 6-2. I do think Dominic Team is the heavy favorite, and it would not shock me if this one went in straight.
1: I mean, uh, so yeah, Dominic Team is the heavy favorite, minus 285 to guy Monfils, is plus 225. But Monfils has played some good tennis, and... And I think, unfortunately, this is the worst matchup for Monfils. Like, I think if he could have been playing anyone else in this half of the draw, I would have rather seen him play a Vavrinka or rather seen him play a Rublev. I think Team is probably his worst matchup. But I don't know if Monfils can find a way to utilize the forehand, really be aggressive. Uh, you know, Team has, we've seen him lose some matches that you think are, are surefire wins for him. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if if Monfils was able to come out and and shock him a little bit, and and we'll see Team maybe off the back foot more than we usually do.
0: Yeah, I, I think for Dominic Team this is certainly, um, uh, this is his moment. You know, uh, it, I think a lot of people have him penciled in as maybe a future role on Garros winner. Uh, but after he won Indian Wells last year, uh, he put himself. You know, th- I can do the level I show on clay. I can perform on at least two of the three surfaces and, you know, three out of the four majors are on either hard courts or on clay. And I just think he's played better and better on the hard courts to match his level that he showed on the clay makes the ATP tour final finals last year. Uh, just I, th- I just think he's the guy, I, the way he problem solved against Alex Bolt, the way he, uh, you know, in his match against Taylor Fritz, four sets there, uh, just such a great, res- you know, the way he hit through his problems. He just, you know, for Fritz, despite the big serves, it, it, he remained comfortable. And so it's such an incredible result uh, for, or it's such an incredible moment opportunity for Dominic team to start his uh his, his season off in this way. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a really, it's going to be a really impressive, a uh, big match, an important moment in Dominic teams career. So uh, this is going to be a fun one to watch. I'm sticking with team on the pick and I'm going to say team in three, who you got.
1: Um, sorry. I just, I feel like this actually needs to be brought up super quick. And it's crazy that this is live. I, my, uh you might have just seen me on on the video talking to my mom, um, but really crazy news. Uh Kobe Bryant just died in a helicopter crash uh, in Calabasas here in Los Angeles. So um, uh, sorry, I, I thought that had to be brought up. it It literally just happened. My mom came in that was that was I didn't even hear what she said the last sixty seconds because that was all I was thinking. About. yeah,
0: that's I was stumbling through my thing cause so I got a notification on my phone as well. That's crazy. And I mean,, uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's wild. But, team Montfiez, who you got? Team in five. Team in five. Wow, that's a bold pick. Uh, it is. That's,
1: that's, that's a hot take.
0: Yeah, that's that's yeah. Neither hot nor wrong. I bet. But all right, moving on to our next match, and again. I'm going to put this one as my third of for third most interesting. Number 4 seed Daniil Medvedev taking on the 15 seed Stan Wawrinka. They've played twice before. Medvedev 2-0 oh against Wawrinka. He beat him twice at majors. 2017 Wimbledon where he, that was his first real big breakthrough win four sets uh, in that first round and then last year on his run to the final he knocked out Stan Wawrinka 7-6 6-3 3-6 6-1 on his way to that final. I, with all due respect to Stan Wawrinka, who has played a really solid tournament thus far, I mean Medvedev's looked like a wrecking ball, and I don't see that changing tonight.
1: Yep, I, I agree. I mean, I think I. What are the odds for this match? Um, they're still at 115-105. I mean, that's again betting-wise. Um, unless you're just super confident, I, I don't know who you're who you really want to take. Sorry, did. <sighs> Who are you taking in this match? If you're betting on this. Medvedev. 100%.
0: I, I know usually that's when you get yourself in trouble. But oh, what is... Has- Medvedev's minus three... I read the
1: wrong... I read the Rublev's Zverev ones. Medvedev minus 375.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Because I just, even if Wawrinka hurts him for one set, it's just you look at how good Medvedev was. I know Popper and and Wawrinka's fresh, by the way. He only had to play one set against Isner. But through the two matches thus far for Wawrinka, he knocked out, uh, I think, in his second match. He played Seppi. That was a five-set battle Uh, for Medvedev. It was that four-set match against Tiafoe. Straight sets since then. He's cruised. And I just think he continues to find his form. I think he was the guy who came closest to beating Novak Djokovic here last year. And I, it's just on a hard court, how do you beat him three out of five sets? Even if you like hit enough winners to win one set, you have to play that well repeatedly. And there's maybe three or four guys capable of him of doing that. Stan at his best, 2011, 12-13, 14-15, maybe. Stan right now, I just don't think has enough in the tank. So I'll take yeah, Medvedev.
1: That, that's fair. I think Medvedev will win, but I will say of this portion of the draw— Besides Rublev, I think Vavrinka is the only other player that that's really about to hit Medvedev off the court. I mean, that forehand is just powerful. He's got pop. He can take him from the backhand side as well. I think that besides Rublev, and you know, I think Kyrgios can throw in some some powerful forehands in there too. But he's the one who might hit him off the court. He's going to be the one I think to give him the most scare. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a Medvedev four four set win.
0: Yeah, I, I mean. Look, it, it, again, that this is the third most interesting match speaks to how fun these next two are. All right, I think the primetime match speaks for itself, so let's get this one out of the way first. I would put it number one, but it, I get why we have to put it number two. Alex Vera versus Andre Rublev. Two guys, good friends, uh, both former World Junior number ones. Uh, in their careers, Viera have 3-0 against Rublev thus far. They played last year in China, where Viera won 0-6. They played 2017-2016 on our outdoor hard and clay. Viera each time a straight set winner. Andre Rublev has been fantastic. He hasn't and lost he's this winning season. This match. He's what, 15-0 and 0 on the season and thus far? 14-0, yes. something and he's crazy. Win- and he's winning this match. That's a lot of tennis. All I'm saying is okay. I know how well he played against Goffin, and I get why, you know, the big serve, the big forehand, but one of my good take, hot take, bad takes, involves Andre Rublev. I just don't know if he has enough physically left to— I just think Zverev will extend this match. He will make it as physical as possible, and he'll use his backhand to attack the Rublev backhand. His forehand's going to give him troubles, but I also think this is one of those things— it's a confidence thing. I think Zverev thinks he's better than Andre Rublev, and I just— I. I love Alex Zverev to make the quarterfinals here in Australia. And that we haven't talked about Alex Zverev at all thus far in our mini break coverage of this Australian Open has been the best news in the world for me.
1: Okay, but Zverev also hasn't had any matches that were that worth talking about. I mean, he played Chechenado first round, straight set win, looked fine. played Garasimov next round, straight set win, looked fine. Played for Dasco, who, you know, granted for has played some good tennis and he looks good. But, yeah, there hasn't been much to talk about. I think he's about to get a little a little wake up. He hasn't played anyone that's got the firepower of Rublev. I think Rublev is about to push him back.
0: He's going to catch him on his heels. Rublev's got this in four sets. Yeah. uh, So I see that scenario. I understand why that's the way you're thinking. But. I just—completely the other way. I I think as good as as Rublev's been, I just—I think Zverev makes this match as physical as humanly possible. I don't think he allows Andre Rublev to just hit forehand after forehand after forehand. I think he—they know each other's game as well as anyone. And so, I think that familiarity—I think the way Zverev's played better and better as this tournament's gone on. I think the Zverev serve, finding the Rublev backhand, playing plus-one tennis, is going to get Rublev in trouble. I'll take Zverev in four. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Now the primetime blockbuster, the match everyone is waiting for, coming fresh off of his five-set win over Karen Kachnov. Yeah, it's Nick Kyrgios, the Australian, taking on the number one seed in this event, Rafael Nadal. Uh, Not many people, if anyone, I think I saw on Twitter, it was someone say that two people right now active have winning records over Nadal. I think those two two people are Novak Djokovic, who is something like 29 and 33. Uh, 29 and 23 or something like very minimal uh, over Nadal and then the other guy I will find the other guy. Oh, and, and the other guy is Dustin Brown. So Novak Djokovic 29 and 26, Dustin Brown 2 and 0. That Nick Kyrgios is 3 and 4 is a testament uh, to how well he plays when he faces off against Rafa. I saw someone, I think it was Paul Timmons on Twitter make the point. The Rafa ball just kind of sits up perfectly in the Kyrgios strike zone on the backhand side. He can use Rafa's pace to guide that ball down the line. He's not afraid to take that backhand down the line. He's not afraid to move forward. He has a first serve. That's a weapon that can take control of the point away from Rafa because the last thing you want to do is be on the yo-yo string from Rafa Nadal. You look for Kyrgios. His first big breakthrough win when he beat Rafa in four sets in the fourth round of Wimbledon all those years ago in 2014 when they played in Wimbledon second round last year. It was a 6-3, 3-6, 7-6, 7-6 affair. I think at a minimum we're going to see at least two tiebreakers in this one. The question to me is how much gas does Kyrgios have in the tank? How much can he find in his likes? Because the Australian crowd max is going to try and will him to victory.
1: Absolutely. And 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 look, look, I think this match more than any of the matches he's played against Nadal is the one that he wants to win the most. I mean, these guys obviously have some beef with each other, but also a lot of respect for each other. Although Kyrios did do a little, you know, Nadal impersonation on court when he got a time violation in his last round against uh, Simone so there's still a little bit of that you know back and forth and of course the, all the, the reporters like to do the the thing where they ask each other each of them about each other and perpetuate this rivalry but uh, I think there is a lot of respect and look Kyrgios needs to go out there and, and shorten points like you were saying that's his only way I think to, to win this match He's that last match he in the post match interview said I need to go get an ice bath and some food like he, he was hurting after that and so as long as he's feeling fresh, there's a good chance that he could win this match. That with the Australian crowd behind him, with all that's been going on, with just the the focus that he's had, uh, it's possible. But I mean, the odds are in Adol's favor.
0: Yeah, this is another stay away for me because Ternitopia, I took Kyrios over an doll and he's gonna do everything in his power to last this match. You know, he's gonna try and make it as competitive as possible. But if your legs hurt there's like two people in the world you don't want to play the most. And, you know, as as physical as Djokovic makes a match, I still think Rafa's probably the number one guy you'd be like, are you serious? I have to track down another forehand cross court, another forehand cross court. Oh, now this backhand's going down the line. Oh, no. Like, it, it, it's just a shotgun to stare down. And so, yeah, that's a difficult task for anyone. Give me your pick. Nadal and four. Yeah, that sounds about right. We can stick with that. All right, I I want to quickly go to this gambling before we get into good take, bad take, hot take, and wrap things up here. Uh, so, we talked about all of these matches. I'm just going to tell you the picks I went with. You tell me what I think. Uh, what you think. I said, Dominic team over Monfils, sure thing. Medvedev over Ravrinka, I'm confident about. Hallett Mertens, I'm confident about. You're not going to like the last three, which are Zverev, Svatik, and Garbin Muguruza. You parlay those six players to win, and there are a couple of upsets sprinkled in there. Ten bucks, you win $164. 16 to one odds, Max. 16 and a half to one odds. You think there's, that happens less than 16 and a half times? One out of every 16 and a half? I don't. I think that—I I, I mean, the of one, tricky. Svatik, you want to throw her out there. And her line, by the way, has moved from plus 110 to even. Uh, that's fine with me. But I like that. I mean, you say, oh, if you're going to parlay six people, you better give me good odds. 16 yeah, and a half one of the odds. odds you're looking for. Look, if
1: if you want me to throw away ten dollars with you on that, sure. We'll call Westoff. We'll see well, what he has yeah. to say. Well, Westoff's listening in, so Westoff
0: lock us both in for that. Maybe uh, if if all of you listeners go to Diadem right now and spend on our CR fifty code, we can do this bet. <laughs>
1: that's true. We can we can do this, and then we'll thank all of you next time for we'll give the
0: winnings right back. Yeah,
1: but yeah, I mean, look, they're all doable. I think the first four, like you said, are the ones that I like. Um, but I don't know. That, that's just such a, a tough bet. The part of me also just would love to to take Curios here, and and I know <laughs> I just said Nadal is gonna win this in four, but Curios plus three eighty five with the Australian will crowd willing him on with just the focus he's had, the desire he probably has to win
0: this match could be could be a worthwhile bet. Oh, I take it all back. Uh, because I just read on Twitter at Tennis View Magazine, asked if he could predict one player to have a breakout season in 2020. Federer replied, Rublev. I say that Rublev's going to do something special. So, yes. uh, yeah. yeah. I still has. 17 to one. I like a lot. All right, only one last thing to do. That, of course, is something we have been doing at the end of all of these mini breaks most recently. That's a game of right take, wrong take, hot take. We're going to throw some statements out at each other and leave it up to the other one to judge whether it's a good take, a bad take, a hot take, whatever it may be. There won't be a, a sound effect on the live video now. But for you, podcast listeners, West Off, give me a right take, wrong take, hot take sound effect, please. And let's rock and roll. Maxi. you are the guest, so you want to throw the first take at me? Sure. Uh, I'll throw a funny one in. Um, <laughs>
1: Barty has a better slice than Stevie J, and I brought this up earlier.
0: Wow. <laughs> yes, I would say it's more effective. I think I would, so, too. Better is pejorative. More effective, yeah. yes. Yeah, okay. More. The effective. way she works the angle, that's just a good take. That's a very good take. Not a hot cool. take. Good take uh, because, good take. yeah, she's one because she's so special. I mean, that's why it's part of why she's gotten to where she is. OK, I have two funny ones for you. A lot of jokes are going to be made over the next and they will continue to always be made about tennis. Sandgren's name. it's obvious tennis, You, you tennis, you please tennis. Um, but my, my question, question to you, you, good take, bad take, hot take. Now that he has an ATP title, now that he has uh, two Grand Slam quarterfinals to his name, Tennis has lived up to the first name of tennis. So like when he's looking back on it all and people are saying, dude, like you were named tennis, he can still be like, yeah, but my career was really good. Like I I made two slam quarterfinals. I was ATP top 50. Like, no, I'm not Roger Federer. And it would be nice if the Roger Federer of tennis was named tennis. But still, I feel like tennis has done enough to where his parents are like, whoo, like we dodged a bullet. Like, thank God he didn't suck. Yeah, that's a fine take
1: yeah i think you in an ideal circumstance are a little better than him like i think you you more hope for like the i don't know maybe a a chilich type of career or a uh maybe an isner type of career for for your name to be tennis but it's a it's a fine take
0: yeah yeah i uh i appreciate I, that um yeah all right i have one <laughs> more for you so how many you got for me last one uh yeah i got one more for you I like it. Uh, you
1: want me to want me to throw it at you?
0: Right.
1: So this one, this one, I guess, could go. You could t- technically do this in two different uh, takes. So the first one, I wrote this before her match yesterday against Kenan, but uh, Coco will win a slam before she's twenty.
0: Hmm. I mean, it's both a good take and a hot take. And it's a good take because she's 15 and she's made the third rounder better at her first three majors. It's a hot take because she's 15. And, like, a lot can happen between now and then. Plus, there are so many other Barty. Who says Barty's not going to win the next twenty majors? Who says you know? I mean, or a bunch of them. Who says the benchiches of the world, the Osakas of the world? Uh, remember Na- Amanda Nisimova? She was pretty good last year. Um, just there's so many talented young players. Kvitova, Halep, like uh, by the way, Karolina Pliskova is still looking for her quest for number one. Muguruza uh, is like, hey, I know that everyone's really I'm cool, here. and it's not that cool to be 25, but like, yo, what up? Um, yeah, it's, and Serena's still uh, around. And Serena, <laughs> yeah. What about Svetlana Kuznetsova? Um, no, I uh, ooh, somewhere I mean, in between good take and hot take.
1: I, I almost
0: had the age set at eighteen, and then
1: then then it's just a sizzling hot take. Because then you're in the next eight Grand Slams. She has to win wow. one of them. So I mean, that's that's tough. That's hot.
0: Yeah, that's a hot take for sure.
1: Um, Does she make? Okay, how about this? Does she make a final? in the next eight Grand Slams.
0: Oh, no. That's a hot take. That's hot. That's too hot for me. Um, All right, my last one for you. And I was watching Andre Rublev and Goffin team at... Rublev, Goffin, and Team Fritz at the same time. Good take, bad take, hot take. Andre Rublev is just the slightly more athletic version of Taylor Fritz. Taylor Fritz.
1: Fritz. Uh... He hits a different forehand.
0: So, so let me read what I wrote in my notes at the time. And you know the state I'm in when I write these notes. Incredibly powerful ground strokes for both players. Both laterally challenged. Can't really volley that well. But given power they have from the baseline, have plenty of opportunities to move forward. Rublev first volley and forehand slash movement slightly better. Fritz backhand and serve plus big game cojones slightly better
1: yeah I mean I think you're discrediting Rublev's movement a little bit and also I gotta say Fritz has moved a little bit better in the last
0: couple months here's the thing oh yeah mm, yeah. Well, I, we don't have to litigate the Fritz movement I'm just saying there's a peak it's like okay you're not yes. Tommy Paul yeah, which yeah. again he does a lot of other things you know better but I'm just saying
1: I think there's enough variation between their games that it's not an exact again fine take it, it's a it's a little hot though to say that he's a, just a better it's a he's not just a little better than fritz like it's a different game
0: yeah i mean yeah you never want to give andre Rublev a forehand for but like that the power they have and you don't want yeah, to give fritz a forehand when i watch both of them move they just look like two guys who a and you listen to their stories they're two guys who are on the court a hundred percent of the time they just love the work ethic but the reason they are always on there i think they know they need to work a little bit harder and i'm not (laughs) saying that as like a diss it's just a fact like we're not all blessed with beautiful hip turn we're not all blessed with a beautiful beard uh we're not all blessed with the ability to volley and for them maybe it's a little bit of all three um and so
1: yeah the volleying thing to me is always the craziest because like if you just spent
0: hours volleying a day, you'd be great. The counterpoint is, imagine, and this is like a random example, but like Martin six 6'5", just blasting a forehand at you. You'd be like, oh, God.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, if if I saw Fritz coming at me with a forehand, I'd, I'd be freaked out. Like well, it,
0: That's why they missed the volley.
1: Yeah, but they're pros. I don't know. Yeah.
0: No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It's, it's a natural thing. But all right. Yeah. A- any final thoughts before we wrap this bad boy up? Happy to be back. Hope to be back
1: a little bit more. And uh, Australian Open this tonight. Big night. It sucks that uh, the the timing is the way it is. If you want to watch the the curious Nadal, I, I guess for you East Coasters, not so bad. Six a.m. start time for us West Coasters. Three a.m. start time
0: is tough. Yeah, but six a.m. on a Monday, it's like on a Monday. Although how, I guess eight,
1: if you're up, how yeah. dedicated are you? Get up, well, watch the match before work. Oh. Oh, I'll be watching.
0: Believe me, <laughs> when we, we both know I will be watching. And the reason I will be watching is because I want to make sure our title sponsor for this podcast, item Sports, gets their money's worth in terms of the content. Now, you as the listener, as the viewer, will certainly get your money's worth if you use our promo code CR50 uh, to get 50% off. Not just your first order, but every order with them. New string technology, uh, the new racket frame, the beautiful aqua blue that matches Max Rothman's eyes uh, go check their website out get that order under your belt immediately also shout out to our friends at Aerobar the first tennis specific energy bar more potassium than a banana it's not going to melt in your bag rothman has seen i've pulled reeses out of my bag eaten them just chocolate peanut butter everywhere and maybe that looks makes me look better maybe i'm slightly more appealing you're like oh for the first time i actually want to lick something off his face uh but for most of you out I don't there think
1: anyone has ever said they want to lick anything <laughs> off your face but that's okay
0: my mom listens so we'll talk about that a different time but uh yeah so for any of you out there who don't want to look like a fool grab that arrow bar uh Get yourself not only the right sort of uh, energy supply you need to perform your best on the court, but just you'll enjoy the taste as well. Shout out to our super producers, Max Ligner and Daniel Westhoff, who have an F of an editing job to do recording, uh, to edit, as always. And whenever we bring in a video component, they're working extra hard. So shout out to the two of them for all they do again. First week of the first Grand Slam of the 2020 season in the books. But for any of you who have missed any of the action, go check out our website, CrackRackets.com. A week's full of mini breaks as well as your other going-ons in the tennis world. ITA kickoff weekend just occurred uh, for any of those results. Our Michigan Wolverines, Max Rothman, advancing to the ITA round of 16. That'll be fun for us to crack. Records will be both there and in Chicago for the women moving forward. Also, a little bit of a tease for you listeners. I want you to know we've got some really fun news at Crack Draft. It's coming uh it's an announcement we're going to be dropping this friday rothman smiling if there's a video component you can see both of our faces this is something we've had in the midst for a long time so i promise you listeners you viewers all of you crack rackets fans will enjoy that when we have when we make that announcement friday just be on the lookout you don't want to miss that friday mini break podcast uh but with that in mind again uh oh and social media Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, on the podcast, like, rate, subscribe, review. As soon as you do it, I'll stop asking. So again, please, I know more of you are listening than have left reviews on iTunes, Apple, Spotify, wherever it may be. So if you want me to shut up, that's all you gotta do but
1: and i would love for you to do that so he would shut up
0: yeah and so i will shut up though and wrap this podcast for my wonderful co-host maxwell labauer Roth and maxi hey great shot welcome back for our super producers max fliegner and daniel westoff for our friends at Diet diadem sports and aero bar and for everyone both at cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex and maxi what do we tell our listeners I'm going to say, hey, great shot, because I haven't brought that one in. But that's a break. (laughs) Uh, I love it. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.